Welcome to Two Hours No Traffic, a New York-Philadelphia sports podcast. We have a very special episode for you today. This is a bonus episode, and this is basically our version of Super Bowl Media Day, Brandon. <laughs> yeah, because we didn't get invited this time. I know you got invited last year somehow. We reapplied this year, and nothing hit the inbox. We got ghosted by, uh, by Roger Goodell. So last year, when the Buccaneers played the Chiefs, I was very lucky. We were the last resort at the time. We were not two hours, no traffic. Um, I got in to Super Bowl Media Day on Zoom. I asked Ronald Jones questions. I asked Miko Hardman questions. Um, Antoine Winfield Jr. was another one. That's all I really remember, but it was awesome. This year, they said, who the fuck is two hours with no traffic? Denied our asses. But you know what, Brandon? It's not going to stop us from having our own Super Bowl Media Day or Media Week, and it begins today with our guest, Willie Lutz. Brandon, I'll let you do the intro. Yeah, so we got – we didn't just go for the players. I mean, that, that's easy. That's low-hanging fruit. We wanted somebody who is on the ground, boots in the streets of Cincinnati sports media. So we got Willie Lutz. No, it is not the very same Will Lutz from the Saints. I was disappointed, too. We got this one. Willie, no, we're happy to have you, man, for sure. Um you can find Willie Lutz at Willie Lutz on Twitter or at um, – he's a contributor for Bet Jack, a contributor for Same Old Stripes, and a contributor for Last Word on Sports. So, Willie, thanks so much for taking the time, man. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd just like to let you guys know that me and Saints kicker Will Lutz have not been seen in the same room together. So there's, <laughs> there's still all kinds of rumors out there. I'm not willing to deny them. He's not willing to deny them. But I, that's all I can say on that. That's all my lawyer allows me to say on that. Will Lutz, if you're listening, and we know that you are, DM us or else we're going to assume you're the same person. I'll DM you guys later. <laughs> All right, so just kind of jumping into things. I know when you and I were kind of DMing back and forth, like the reason I wanted you specifically on here was like um, being through an Eagles Super Bowl and what that meant for a city that never won one, a city that was kind of like, you know, we're a sports town, but we were kind of losing that reputation. Not a whole lot of success as of late. And Cincinnati is kind of in the same boat. Like, um, you know, Cleveland and Ohio in general are not it's not a great record sports-wise. You know, the Believe Land, the Indians got a little bit better. But this is kind of your time to remind people that, hey, look, man, Cincinnati is a sports town. So, like, wh what's the buzz? What's going on in Cincy right now with all this success? Uh, it's really, really interesting because, I mean, I would say – about a decade ago, the Reds were good, and that was cool, but, like, this is a totally different thing because Cincinnati is a football town that pretends it's a baseball town, but here's what I'll say about it. Just, I don't, it wasn't the same for the Bearcats either when they made the playoffs, but to see some of the emotion that has been tied to this particular Bengals team, and it's not just the, yeah, we won. Like, there's just people of all ages and pictures and videos going nuts, tears streaming down their face. Um, I just feel like, you know, and I don't want to sit here and say if they lose, it's fine, but the city has been dying for some sort of emotional lift from this, like, just kind of being an obsolete sports town that didn't have a whole lot to offer and, and didn't have this name brand value. I mean, you guys are a Philly and New York podcast. I mean, Philly has been kind of struggling for success, but you guys got the Super Bowl, and everyone still, like, considers Philly a big sports town. They don't forget it, but Cincinnati, I mean, to be kind of off the map and start to be overshadowed by Cleveland and then come rip-roaring back with, you know, the team that this city cares about at its heart the very most. It's it's just been a really special year. And, 
and something that fans are also talking a lot about, this will be the Bengals team that people will love the most forever, win or lose the Super Bowl, and even if they win the Super Bowl with a different team down the line. Yeah, so you actually answered my next question, but but I did. I still kind of wanted to touch on it a little bit because, um, you know, the Bengals dating back to the Marvin Lewis days were they were frustrating because um, there was always so well there was always so much there. Like there were years where the Browns were just an abysmal franchise, but the Bengals you always felt were just missing one thing here, man. It was a quarterback. I mean, you guys had AJ Green, Tyler Eifert, Tyler Boyd at one point. Like you had talent on the offense, it wasn't there. Um, and then the Cincinnati Reds have been kind of the same way, where you have, you know, all-time talents in Joey Votto. Um, you guys have had some seriously good pitchers come through. Like, this season notwithstanding, do you find the city gets a more of a buzz when the Bengals are good or when the Reds are good outside of this season right now? Oh, man, I'll, it's always the Bengals. When the Bengals are okay. good, there is a different buzz about the city of Cincinnati. And it's a really – it's something you wouldn't expect because I'm telling you, they will paint this city like a baseball town, but – at its heart, I mean, it, it's just the way the culture is. I think with it being so close to Kentucky and bordering on Indiana, there's just this blend of, you know, it's just this hometown feel where you kind of got the small town football thing going on, and it's just an undeniable thing when the Bengals are good around here. So I've I've never been to a Cincinnati Reds game, but when I worked for a tailgate company a few years ago, I did have the privilege of going to the Bengals tailgates. And I just wanted to say, Willie, I absolutely love – the area around the stadium. I think you guys have one of the most underrated tailgate scenes in the NFL. You guys know how to party, you know how to eat, and you know how to root for your football team. So just a lot of respect to the Cincinnati Bengals for my end. Yeah, and the one thing I will add there is I've been around to different stadiums and different teams. I think I feel comfortable saying, and I feel like I'm tooting my own city's horn here, but (laughs) – we love when people outside come to Bengals games. Like, yeah, like we'll do the jeering and cheering against you, but it is fun to have other fans and, you know, welcome them to Cincinnati and make them, you know, leave with a little love for the city. That is so very, like, Midwestern of you guys. Yeah. I, mean, I know you're technically still, like, on Eastern time, but that is such a Midwestern feel from two guys on the East Coast to, like, I mean, obviously the Eagles, you don't need to say it. Like we throw, you know, snowballs at sand. I mean, it's a hostile place to come. But I dig it. I dig the way you guys think about it. We're all football fans. Come get drunk together. Let's go party. Like I I do get it for sure. Well, yeah, I was at the Raiders game, the Raiders playoff game, I should clarify, because I wasn't at the Vegas game. I didn't go to Vegas for that one. I cannot speak to it. But the Vegas game in Cincinnati, I was at, there's a guy named Bangle Jim who's been doing it for years and years and years. Probably the most famous Bangles tailgate spot. But you can just see the trickle in the Raiders fans. And everyone's just smiling and holding a beer and talking with people and meeting people. It's just a really cool scene. And it, maybe it's definitely a whole Midwestern thing. That's that's for sure. But it, there's a, I just love it. It makes me very happy as a fan to have that kind of environment. I'm trying to think of the alternative, Brandon. Like at a Philadelphia Eagles game. When there isn't one. There's no see, comparison. They see someone from the opposing team, like, there might be a glass bottle thrown at someone's head. And, yeah, I don't say that jokingly. Like, that does happen. You know, Giants well, you know the alternative. You've seen it. It went viral. Remember that? Remember the poor Minnesota Vikings grandmother who tried to cheer her oh. team on? I mean, it, it's it's an infamy now. There's posters of that kid throughout the city. So that that that's where we differ. You Bengals fans are good people. Let's, I'll just say that. Well, for sure. You. Yeah. I think that's why we kind of got a lot of people rooting for us. Like, I don't know that there's a whole pulling so hard for you guys, Willie. It's it's not even funny. What are you um, saying? Los Angeles doesn't have great <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. 
I'm, I'm comfortable saying that, and Will will not. Okay. I am comfortable right. with that one. Okay. <laughs> um, but I want to just kind of take it back a little bit before you guys discovered your stardom and becoming Super Bowl contenders and all. Uh, so last season, obviously, you go out, you get Joe Burrow, and he had just been fresh off winning a title at LSU. Cincinnati's like, we got our guy. We're heading to the top. And last year didn't go the way you'd hope, obviously. He didn't get the full season. The O-line was a question, which it still kind of is now. Yeah. So when this offseason hit, what what would have been a success for you as far as Joe Burrow's progression? So I thought there'd be a leap, but this is excessive. Uh, my, so I have a hard time like doing X's and O's stats, but I expected Joe Burrow to finish the season as a top 12 quarterback. I expected to be just on the fringe of the playoffs, somewhere in that eight to nine, win, eight to 10, maybe win range, but not maybe in the tournament. And I just wanted to see the team get one or two big wins down the stretch. And I think frankly, every Bengals fan going into the season would have been happy with that. So that, that would have been my barometer for success. Although I will take what this is. <laughs> Yeah, that's even that's honestly higher than I I thought you would shoot. I love Joe Burrow. I am like I love this confidence. I mean, I, we'll get into one of my favorite Joe Burrow quotes later. Um, but I thought he was one of those guys who was going to take a full two seasons to get his footing in the NFL. Um, especially given the fact that you look at rookie quarterbacks and you never see a rookie quarterback with a shaky O line. Although they did step up against uh, Sam Fran. Yeah. have a great season because they take those hits and they get kind of gun shy. So I figured Joe Burrow might be a top 15, top 20 quarterback and you'd see progression. So, I mean, the fact that guys, people in Cincinnati expected top 12 and maybe a nine or 10 win season. I mean, you guys see it more than I do, but that's even a higher projection than I had. Well, here's what I'll, when he, I mean, they tied that game, but it was that game against your team uh, in week two last year that there was just something different about it because that dude was in his second NFL game. I think Philly at that point, I mean, Carson Wentz was doing Carson Wentz stuff, but mm -hmm. like I still, I was still liked a lot of the players on that team and your defensive line was putting it on him all day. And you could tell even after he was taken and he hasn't been taking the same ugly hits as he did that season, no. but just to see him get up time after time and make some of the decisions he was making with the limited options he had and just an abysmal offensive line. I was just like, I just think it's going to happen faster than a lot of people are thinking. And it's easier for me to sit there watching all these games and say it, but I think it would be very fair for you to sit in a different fan base and be like, yeah, it'd be nice to see him be like a top 18 quarterback and make that slow progression towards the top of the league. Like we saw with a guy like Josh Allen, very different talents, but it, for him, it was a slow crawl, too. But Joe Burrow, it, there's, it's just that it factor, man. That's all it is. I, I want to ask you a percentage question. So what percentage of success would you sort of contribute to Joe, uh, Joe Burrow's success to Jamar Chase being the number one receiver in Cincinnati? If you had to give a percentage on that. Oh, that's such a tricky question. <laughs> I love Jamar and I love Joe. But I think this season in particular, mm -hmm. with the confidence that it brought, if you're just – so I would consider on a scale of 1 to 10 kind of what you're asking here, okay. 5 being like kind of middle of the road, I'd say it's like 65% because it just gave them that little extra – You know, right. it's just so different when you have like – I at this point consider Jamar Chase at least a top 10 receiver, maybe top 5. Oh, he's top 5. Easy. Okay, right good. Yards yeah, that's, that's somewhere okay, who roots for New okay, York sweet. football giants. Yep. Absolutely. There we five. go. 
Cool. I just don't want to go on like another like not Cincinnati podcast and be out here dropping really hot Jamar Chase. No, dude, his numbers: seventeen hundred yards, fourteen TDs. That's an easy top five. Yes, yeah, so top season. five receiver to uh, one of the better young quarterbacks coming into the season. It just it hit right there, and to have that relationship rebuilt in it's and it's funny because they're having all kinds of issues on offense, all training camp. You couldn't buy a good story about the offense going into the. Uh, going into or leading out of training camp, but here we are. The Bengals are in the Super Bowl and it still feels like to say. 60, 65%. I think that's a fair, the fair answer because T Higgins and, and Tyler Boyd have, yeah. have both been great as well. So I, I think that's a good answer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you brought up T Higgins, which I was going to kind of jump into next because I mean, Jamar Chase gets the headlines deservedly. So, so does Joe Burrow, even Joe Mixon a little bit, but the more you watch the games when it's, when it's third down and you know third and five, third and six, and you have to pass for a third down, he's going to two people. He's looking for C.J. Uzoma, and he's looking for T.J. T. Higgins. So those guys don't get the credit they deserve. But what have they meant to this team to you know to get you guys to where you're at right now? Well, so I'll throw another name in there. Tyler Boyd, in my opinion, is actually just a ridiculously good third down receiver because I mean T. and C.J will give you some bigger yards on thirds down, but if they got to have four, that's a 100% Tyler Boyd play, and he's just so good at that. But I'll switch it up there, but on some of those plays where a guy like T. Higgins, you know, you it's the plays where you got to have it. I mean, you can do things because you have T. Higgins where you can throw it up and you put it somewhere where it's either going to go over his tail and over his head or he's going to catch it. And because he's T. Higgins and because he's a ball winner, it, it just changes your offense. And Jamar Chase – for all he can do, he's not a ball winner in the way T. Higgins is a ball winner. So to have a guy that, you know, if they want to put two bodies or do some sort of extra coverage on Jamar Chase and they want to put T. Higgins in a man situation or put him on some smaller guys and expect them to cover, it just changes the dynamic of the defense because they have to do more things to protect more receivers. And that's where – and I was talking to some Rams fans before this on one of those Twitter spaces, but – the Rams are going to try to force the Bengals to do things in the middle of the field. And if they want to double guys on the outside, that's just going to leave that wide open. And that's when you can really pound with Joe Mixon too, which they'd love to do, even though it drives me nuts. <laughs> yeah, that that has just unlocked a, a complete different level for your offense. And speaking from a fan base who doesn't value the wide receiver position, you follow yeah. football, you know how it goes. I mean, just seeing you guys go wide receiver, you know, LSU wide receiver uh, stud, and then Clemson wide receiver stud with T. Higgins. And you're in the big game. Like, it, it's playing out right in front of me how I would want it to happen. Um, but there's one wide receiver who, unfortunately, um, well, I'll, unfortunately, in my opinion, isn't going to be here for this one. Um, and A.J. Green left at the worst possible time. Um, but I – I look at it. I, ah, shit. There we Did you go. catch any of that? Now you're back. Okay, cool. You're a little frozen there for a second. Yeah, we're good. Yeah. Now. He feels like one of those like forever bangles. Am I am I wrong on that one? Or so it, it's I would love AJ to be here, but AJ would not be playing on this team because there's just too I mean, yeah, maybe he'd go out there for a couple plays. He had a really nice season in Arizona, all things considered, but we'd love him to be here. He'll be in the Bengals Ring of Honor someday. Uh he's probably the second greatest receiver in franchise history and a franchise that's had a lot of great receivers in its history. Chad's number one right now. Jamar is yeah. well on his way to be number one in 
I don't know, a way shorter time span than I could have imagined because the dude is just breaking records at record pace. But, yeah, it, it'd be beautiful to have AJ here. And it, it sucks that if they get a ring, it won't be with him. And it sucks that they had that AFC Championship moment without him. It was kind of neat to see that he was, like, one of the first people to like, to give Cincinnati their flowers, whether it be on Twitter or through that video and all. Because um, he had to go do what he thought was best for him and go try and win a ring. And, like, even you yourself, like, none of us thought it was going to be Cincy this season. So, I mean, it is nice like that bridge wasn't burnt or anything like that. To, yeah. to AJ's green credit, to AJ Green's credit, I thought he didn't have a bad season in, in Arizona, by the way. I thought he well, was a good receiver nice. for them. Yeah. yeah. And the one thing I will add there is uh, – where was I going with that? Oh, by the way, Joe Burrow before the season, or told uh, reporters this week before the season, if you told them they were going to be in the Super Bowl, he would have told you you were crazy. So no one on this show can uh, feel any differently than Joe Burrow. If you told anyone before the season that the Bengals would be in the Super Bowl, they would have looked at you like he had 10 heads and you would have deserved <laughs> it. But, I mean, here they are. I don't, I don't get it, but it, I know what you mean. And A.J. had to go chase a ring. I would have said if he went to Arizona, he's given himself a better chance than he would in Cincinnati, and I would have been dead wrong, it turns out. <laughs> I I want to get off of Joe Burrow because I mean it's you know every podcast everybody's talking about him. I absolutely love the dude. Um, my favorite quote of his isn't one of the easy ones where it's like oh I make too much money for like the, you know to have fake diamonds any of that stuff. They're all phenomenal. Um, but he was asked, I believe it was preseason, because um, he was a basketball guy for a long time too. And they said, look, you know, if we put you in the NBA right now, what do you think you could give a team? And the honest answer was probably like none, two, four. Joe Burrow said he gave you 15 points. He said he gave you a 15-point score. That The blind level of irrational confidence is why he's as great as he is. Yeah, but I don't doubt it because he says it. Like, every time he says something, it comes true. And it's really scary. But, like, when he says something, you have to take it seriously, even if it's completely outlandish. How, how tall is Joe Burrow? I think he's, like, 6'3 and a half, 6'4, somewhere in that. That's point. not a bad height for the NBA. I mean, he's taller than a lot of really – he's taller than Steph Curry. Yeah, I think he had a college basketball offer at Ohio, or Iowa State. I think he yeah. did get an offer from them. He used the ball. That's why the question came up because, I mean, yeah. his college football career wasn't looking great for a while there. Right. Um, right. So they asked me if they ever kind of considered basketball, and that was his answer. I'm going um, to have to find me some Joe Burrow high school basketball highlights <laughs> and watch that shit there. tonight. They're out there. He's, he's probably really good. He's crazy. It doesn't make any sense. He'll just out there, like, chucking threes and stuff. And it's bizarre. <laughs> We gotta find his high school mixtape somehow, some way. <laughs> but what's crazy about this team is that, at least in my opinion, from an outside, I don't think you guys have hit your ceiling. Like this has been a really good Bengals season, but when you watch back on the games, think of what Joe Burrow could do behind an even further improved line. Your line went from abysmal to kind of serviceable this year. I mean, if you guys invested in the O-line, I mean, you can only think about what Burroughs' numbers might be next season, the year after that. Yeah, and fortunately, I, I can bring a little bit of having insider information. I don't know names, but they're going to upgrade the offensive line this offseason. They took last offseason, they said, you know, there's not really the values there, and we have other areas that we feel like can make the team competitive in 2021. I thought they were crazy. It turns out they got by long enough with Riley Reef. He actually got injured and is out for the year, and that's kind of is what it is. But they got by long enough with that, and they thought it was more important to have the star talent at wide receiver, even though there was intense debate about Ace. <laughs> and the Bengals got that one completely right. So whoever was Team Sewell and Mike Tannenbaum, uh, you guys would know up in New York. But so the Bengals should have think sell the friend or abandon the team or something if they skip on Fanny Sewell and. Yeah. Yeah, here they are. I mean, 
But well, you saw the memes, right? Where it's like uh, Joe Burrow throwing the ball to anybody with Sewell yeah. versus you know what I'm talking about. Oh, we were all dead wrong. It it doesn't make any sense if you look at it five months ago that those memes exist because it turns out all you got to do is put your Chase out there, like I said, and you just have that much of a difference. And, and that's what it is in football, and that's what it is in playoff football. It's a game of inches. And you guys have both seen successful playoff runs in your city times, and you know that football is a game of inches, and that's what it comes down to, man. And when you have Jamar Chase, that game of inches is its something else. its It changes, you know, for example, it's not a playoff play, but that play in Week 17 where he catches the ball at about the 10-yard or, you know, close to the sideline on the left boundary and kicks it in and runs for a touchdown, I mean, that's a game of inches because no one else is jetting out of that coverage and scoring a touchdown. And and that's what that sort of difference gives you. And I don't want to put it all on one guy because the defense has been phenomenal for a lot of the season as well. Phenomenal might be a stretch, but they've been pretty good. But it's that game of inches that the Bengals have found a way to improve in those spots and give themselves that inch. Listen, I don't know if this has been pointed out in Cincinnati, but the guy's last name is Chase. <laughs> I mean, True. he's got to be yeah. fast. He's got to be fast. Have you never? I mean, think about it. Chase, he'll chase anybody down. Nobody can chase him because he's so fast. Jamar Chase, you didn't hear it from me. Well, I'm just saying that. I mean, everything about that guy is fast. His name is Jamar Chase. He wears the number one. Dude just exudes speed. True. Um, I can't. You, you. I'm sure you've seen it. If you're piped into the media, probably way more than I am. Um, oh, here it is. So they asked um, Bengals defensive end Sam Hubbard had huge game last game. It seemed like he was always in the backfield. Oh my! Um, <laughs> you know, you know where I'm going with this one. They asked him like, you know, what, you know, what does this mean? What's the Super Bowl mean for Cincinnati? What are you guys playing for? Um, he said, "We're doing this for Harambe." Obviously, you know, Cincinnati Zoo, that whole thing. Is that just him, or is that like a thread throughout Cincinnati right now? Listen, Harambe is our sweet prince. And <laughs> Amen. Amen. Cincinnati Zoo had a very sweet hippo named Fiona who has won the city's heart over ever since Harambe has passed. But, you know, I think it would mean a lot for the Cincinnati Zoo and Harambe's family if the Bengals could bring one home for him because everyone knows in this city how big of a fan he was, had season tickets every year, <laughs> wouldn't, catch, wouldn't miss him in a tailgate. I mean, I poured one out for him. I, I bought him a a, uh, a big Bud Light at the home opener this year. I'm missing him, and uh, this one's for you, Harambe. After after we're done here, I'm gonna go. I'm on the fourth floor in my apartment complex. <laughs> I'm going to the balcony. I'm pouring out a little bit of this IPA for Harambe. Shout out. There you go. That well represented, and I'm glad you're looking out for our defense. <laughs> I got you, Cincinnati. Yeah. This is not remotely football related, but I mean, Spence, you got, do you guys have a zoo nearby where you're at? Yo, I grew up 10 minutes away walking from the Bergen County Zoo. Okay, so you got a zoo. I got the Philadelphia Zoo, which is like, you know, somewhat well known. They they pay ball out there with some money. I don't, nobody in Philadelphia gives a shit about the zoo. I'm sure Bergen County is the same. Why does why does Cincinnati love their zoo more than the average city does? Would you so, say Cincinnati is a funny city in that we're always defending ourselves on everything. So <laughs> I think we don't actually care about the zoo, but the minute you try to like say something bad about the zoo, 
you can like it, that it's on like it's oh totally over for you we have like the one of the most environmentally sound zoos got really cool tigers it's like got all these kinds of built-in like beautiful things so we're just a very proud city man like if you come after something in cincinnati we'll have something to say about it even if we really don't have something to say about it this city is just always ready to defend itself it's got like a little brother mentality but it's just, <laughs> i think it just speaks to the people in the city i mean we're it's just a very proud place I love that Cincy just has ten toes down for their zoo of all things. Like that was that was the life in the sand. It's like insult me all you want, but god damn it, if you talk about my zoo the wrong way, we're gonna have a problem. Yeah, people were trying to bash the Cincinnati Zoo for taking out Harambe, but our sweet prince just couldn't control it. He tried to, but it's just too much going on. <laughs> so I know. I know you're in like all kinds of Cincinnati sports media and stuff. Um, and I know you didn't get to interview Harambe or any of the icons at the zoo, but I am curious to see who, if any of this year's team you've been able to talk to and maybe who your favorite interview was out of those guys. So we've talked, I've talked to a couple guys, two guys on the record. Uh, one of the guys in the practice squad, Rennell Wren, um, Quentin Spain. I talk to every now and then. Eli Apple's one of my guys I talk to. Oh, no, no, you don't. Dude, no, Eli, Eli he's, Apple. He's good people, but he loves to run into Twitter. He's <laughs> actually like a really nice, like sweet, like he's very Cincinnati in the way that he's very proud. But <laughs> Willie, he, he tells my entire right fan base we absolutely suck. So the top the worst two fan bases are the Saints. <laughs> And the Giants, and that's 28 years of fandom that he just pooped on. So uh, that's Eli Apple for you. He doesn't care. That's what he does. Does but anybody other than him have beef with Saints fans either? Like New York fans, you hear it. Philly fans, we suck. No one ever has beef with New Orleans. Well, the good thing, the good yeah. thing, real fast, is that we have the LSU connection built in, so they all gave us a break on that. In Eli Apple's defense, I think he's got one of the coolest names in the NFL. I don't know why, but having Apple for a last name and Eli for a friend, it just sounds like he's a star. Even if you I not know he played football, I'd be like, oh, that guy's that guy's a millionaire. His name's Eli. Eli Apple just sounds like a guy who breeds success, which is ironic because he hasn't had much until he got to Cincinnati. Burn. It's so weird. <laughs> I mean, even like I don't think Lou Anarumo was the defensive coordinator in New York while Eli was there, maybe for a year or something, but yep. I mean, those dudes love each other for some reason. Like they do. Eli Apple's mom is like tweeting all this stuff about how much she uh, she loves uh, Luana Rumo. But just to bring it back to your your question, there, we actually just had their long snapper Clark Harrison, and that is one of the funniest people I've ever met in my entire life. For the season, we had him on because he's just become one of my buddies on the on the team, and he was telling us that. He had just got done spending his entire summer on a boat drinking White Claws. And nice. Yeah. He's a long snapper. He was like, I'm a long snapper. All I got to do is like work out. <laughs> I guess if he's a long snapper, drinking White Claws is more acceptable. That makes yeah. sense. Then we had him on. And it's just cool to hear him talk about like, I mean, working with the young kicker and Evan McPherson and that guy's attitude and just how much different everything is. That Jeez. dude is ice cold. It is yeah. unreal. Do, do you, I mean, do you believe that story that he said that to Burrow? Like, oh, he did right? say it. That yeah. it's it's uh, out there apparently. Is that, was that on the mic? Did they get that or no? I don't know. I've not seen it, but I've heard yeah. it exists. That's amazing. That yeah. is, 
That is so confident to be like, hey, like we're going, we're going to the AFC Championship, and then boom for the win. Yeah, he said he wasn't going to do it for the Super Bowl because he's like, I'm totally going to jinx it if I do it again. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that was the cool part about it the first time. He was like, everyone believes in jinxes, but I'm like jinx proof. Like that was the ballsiest part of the whole thing. That's that kid, man. He's I've I've listened to Sam. Hubbard, I like to drop these first names. I forget I'm not a Bengals podcast, but Hubbard <laughs> and Burrow were both talking today on uh, different media platforms about, you know, when they knew Evan had that it factor in terms of being a kicker. And both of them were saying, like, all training camp, they were ribbing him and trying to get under his skin, and Evan would just throw it right back at him. And they're like, oh, he's one of the boys. So he doesn't get treated like a kicker. They treat him like everyone else. And I think that's a really – I mean, for a 22-year-old rookie kicker, that's a cool thing. And you don't get that with a lot of, like, kickers in the league. Nah, you only get that, though, if you're on the brink of passing the GOAT of all kickers in points in a season. I mean, the fact that he and Adam Vinatieri are duking it out for the top spot in playoff points and you're 22, I mean, the sky is the absolute limit at that point. Brandon, I have a totally unrelated fun fact, but Adam Vinatieri's son, A.J. Vinatieri, you know oh, I know. He's going to your, your irrelevant northern-ass school to kick field goals. Going to UMass Amherst, Brandon. That, oh, totally unrelated. Let's get back to the Bengals. Edge you know charity. Yeah. You say that northern-ass school, and I I'm, I went to Ohio State, so as soon as you say that, I'm like, oh, Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> that makes more sense. I mean, yeah. UMass, UMass <laughs> is north, but just because yeah. he's from Philadelphia or whatever. Uh, like, Michigan, you're actually though. north. I, I get it. Yeah. We're getting Kurt Warner's son for what it's worth, but we can get off of that and <laughs> move it on later. Um, so Spence has this whole segment that we do on, on almost all our podcasts called Rapid Fire, but I'm going to kind of jump ahead of one um, because I've heard that Evan McPherson's nickname is Shooter, at least or from himself around the team. So in your opinion, better shooter, Shooter McGavin, Shooter McPherson? Oh, so I talked to Clark about this yesterday. And so just to give you the, the insight of that story is that apparently one time during a, a training camp, or I think it was a training or a uh, preseason game, they just saw him do the, the gunshot motion. And they're like, oh, shooter. And then they were like, shooter McPherson, why aren't we doing that the whole time? So better shooter. I think Evan's got a better chance of landing a gold jacket than uh, shooter McGavin. So definitely better shooter, shooter McPherson, baby. Yeah, I'm hoping he doesn't have the similar luck that uh, Shooter McGavin had on that 18. That was yeah. <laughs> that would be ugly for you guys. But all right, I'm going to turn it over to Spence. He works long and hard on these rapid fires that way more than I would put into. So take it away, buddy. Let's do it. All right, this is this is the best segment of the podcast. You're going to love it. I got 10 great questions for you. Answer as quickly as you can. If you need to think about it and take your time, you can do that as well. Uh, are you ready? Let's do it. All right, number one. Top three favorite Bengals of all time. Oh, Chad Johnson, AJ Green, Joe Burrow. That's a great segue into number two. What is your favorite nickname of Joe Burrow's? Oh, <laughs> I like Joe Shiesty. I think it's fun. Joe Shiesty. I like My that man, that's the best one out there. I agree. It's so good. Number three. Can we call Joe Mixon a top five running back in the NFL? Absolutely. I think the numbers prove it. And he's a good receiver that people forget. People do forget that. Number four, when all is said and done, will Jamar Chase be the best Bengals wide receiver of all time? Easily. All right. Number five, the best food in Paul Brown Stadium is? 
Oh, this, so this would change over the last couple of years, but uh, you can get yourself some pretty good nachos at Paul Brown Stadium. Not Interesting. bad. Interesting. And bonus, this is like a 5A. You showed us a local brewed beer earlier. What is the best locally brewed Cincinnati beer? People, uh, I'm going to give, so the one I'm drinking now is my favorite. I would drink it the most often, Rheingeist Truth. But my favorite brewery in Cincinnati, 50 West, go there. Get the burger and get a coast to coast. Coast to coast in the burger. That sounds like a fucking phenomenal time. All right. Number six, favorite Bengals team of all time before this team. You can give me the year. And you can name some players that were on the team in case our audience doesn't know the Bengals' former rosters. Yeah, let's go with the 2009 Cardiac Cats. They lost on a walk-off field goal. Or not a walk-off field goal. I think they lost by 10 points to the Jets in the playoffs. But – it was a year when Carson had one of his best or his last best years. Uh, Lavernius Coles was on the team, very standoffish. Uh, I think it was one of Cedric Benson's awesome years. That's the team that stands out to me is probably uh, one. Oh, Leon Hall is on that team. Bunch of good bang. Chris Crocker, I could go all day with this, but 2009 Cardiac Cats. Cedric Benson, fucking, you got me in my feels right now. And the one guy we haven't mentioned, I don't know if we're going to get to him, TJ Hushmanzada, one of yes. the coolest names for any receiver to ever play this sport. Who's your mama? Hushmanzada, fucking love that guy. Um, number seven, if you can do one activity with Chad Ochocinco or Johnson, what would that activity be? Oh, I want to eat McDonald's with Chad Johnson. Yeah. He loves McDonald's more than anything McDonald's. in the world. I just want to go through the whole McDonald's experience with Chad. I would Quick play FIFA here. Did you see um, his Twitter uh, quest where he tweeted at all of the Pro Bowl guys to go to IHOP with him and nobody went? Yeah. I, felt so I would not miss that. How do you not go? Especially because Chad's like the funniest dude in the world. Like, it's just an automatic good time. You're not going to have a bad time with Chad at Jacinko. And you know he pulled up on his own, too. Oh, he totally didn't care. I'm sure he ate a whole meal and gave a big old tip. That's what he did. Yes. Yeah. Chad Oshosenko seems like the man. I would I would do a lot to hang out with him. All right, number eight. Earlier in the season, a young lad wrapped the lyrics to Knife Talk perfectly during a Cincinnati tailgate. Do you know if the Bengals have reached out to this kid and if he's met any of the players? Because I love that video. I can watch that over and over and over again. That kid was extremely talented. I don't know if the team has anything planned, but I know that Joe Mixon loved the video. <laughs> That is incredible. It's like the perfect oh my person God. to love it. It's Joe Mixon for I, I just imagine a bunch of like muscle, you know, strong football players in the NFL are watching this kid just rap knife talk and they're into it. That is that is an amazing visual for me. Pretty funny. Oh, man. Number nine, following up to that, name a song that you would feel 100% confident singing or rapping at a tailgate. Oh, it's got to be a tailgate song then. Um, man, oh, man, oh, man, on the spot. I don't know, just because it's the Bengals, I'll just go Welcome to the Jungle. Welcome to the Jungle by ACDC. I love that. Those are then, roses. That's true, too. Yeah. And then finally, number 10, is Skyline Chili good, and how often do you eat it? I love Skyline Chili. I'm, I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio, guys. Honestly, I, I do think it's good. I think people outside the city don't really understand that it's like it's not going to destroy your stomach. It's I feel like people it gets a bad rap. From, you know what? 
PFT commenter has given it a bad rap because he jokingly talks about loving it, but I can't tell if he's serious or not. Well, they were there today eating it, so I, they can't yeah, hate it. But that's like, true. If you're a Cincinnati person, like I feel like the people that I've taken because I'm like in Columbus now, but I go to Cincinnati a lot just because I love my hometown. But I introduce people to Skyline Chili, and then they're like, "Hey, you want to go to Skyline? You want to go to Skyline?" So, like people at work, a bunch of psychos. All of a sudden, I get them all in Skyline. So, follow up question: If Brandon and I were to venture out to you know Cincinnati, would you get Skyline Chili with us? Absolutely. There you go. That's the end of the rapid fire, Brandon. I'm good. Really, that was awesome. Thank you very much. We'll have to add it to the road trip you've promised people, Spen, because now you have us going to Ohio, San Antonio, and Cincinnati at some point over the next few years. Well, Cincinnati's in Ohio, so that one should be easy. Yeah, doable. <laughs> True. Yeah. Well, man, thank you so much for coming on, dude. This was uh, this was one hell of a podcast. It was a good time just kind of hanging out. Um, for anybody who like obviously enjoyed your listening to today, you can always catch Will at Willie Lutz at on Twitter. You can catch him contributing to at BetJack, at Same Old Stripes, and at Last Word on Sports. I'm sure you'll see him on tailgate videos coming up for the Super Bowl. But best of luck, my man. This this has been a good time. Yeah, thanks for having me, fellas. A lot of fun, and uh, I hope you guys enjoy the game next Sunday. We're all pulling Appreciate for you. It, thanks, thanks, brother. Yeah, peace.